ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. The You're Still Out Golf Podcast live at Chalk Sports Bar. Uh, Jay Teal, so we're, we're going to do one more segment, my friend. So we're going to wrap it up. I know you've got uh, some some day job work that you have to get back to this afternoon. And we uh, we went pretty long in segment one as well. But, you know, we teased it at the end <clears throat> of segment one there, my friend. So we want to talk a little U.S. Open history. And so uh, why don't you go first here and, and perhaps just give our listeners a little bit of U.S. Open history, perhaps how the tournament came about, uh, some nuance to it. But, uh, again, you are our resident golf historian, so fire away on the U.S. Open, bud. Well, I think when you think about uh, one of the cool things about golf, and maybe sports in general, um, is the history around it and the things that uh, some never change and some things uh, dramatically different than they were in this case, you know, 100 and 25 years ago, a uh, game of golf. But uh, a lot of folks don't remember that the first ever U.S. Open, 19, uh, excuse me, 1895 was the, was the first U.S. Open. It, the uh, USGA had formed, I want to say, in the year prior to. And at the time, it was actually a U.S. amateur championship was the more well thought of championship because if you were a professional golfer you were kind of looked down upon uh as somebody who couldn't make money in the real world and so you're out there you know living off uh your golfing but in fact uh, the u.s open would very quickly become a uh a very prominent championship uh so october 4th 1895 so how about that they used to play it in the month of october and this right here is for our man Anthony Garcia in our fantasy golf group. He was crapping on nine-hole golf courses uh, earlier today. First ever U.S. Open, nine-hole golf course, Newport Country Club in Newport, Rhode Island. Fine town, Newport, Rhode Island, a fine town. Fine town, fine town. They play it twice, loop it twice. If a nine-hole golf course is good enough for Newport, Rhode Island, I can tell you it's good enough for Anthony Garcia. Um, they actually 36 hole competition in a single day. So they looped her four times and, uh, first ever winner of the U S open. Any, any guesses, Keith? First ever winner. Oh God. Yeah. I, I don't old Tom. So have to be, have to be some uh, British guy or, or a Scottish guy, right? It was an Englishman. Okay. Horace Rollins. Oh, so 21 year old so Englishman who had just came to the U.S. A so, young lad, dude. Young a very, lad. very young lad. So, 1895, first ever U.S. Open. Uh, John J. McDermott, first American-born winner of the U.S. Open, 1911. So, since 1911, the title has won, been won mostly by United States uh, citizens. USA. Uh, yeah, USA. Very much uh, uh, great, great nationalism. So, there's a little bit of its early beginnings. Now, we talked about in the last segment, U.S. Open typically characterized by tight scoring, right, in or around a par. Uh, U.S. Open courses seldom really beaten severely, and, and partially because we talked about the par 70. Uh, a lot of times a par 72 or a par 71 is taken down to a par 70, and right there you're kind of that whole over par, under par scoring system becomes a little bit irrelevant. And uh, in terms of cumulative scoring to par, the record score uh, 16 under by both Rory McIlroy in 2011 at, uh, I believe that was Congressional, and then Brooks Kepka uh, tied that in 2017 at, I believe, Aaron Hills, 16 under. Now, the, be- the best aggregate score 
is Rory's 268 because at Aaron Hills it was a par 72. What what did Tiger shoot that year? He won at Pebble Beach and won by like 16 shots or something like that? Tiger shot, I believe, 12. I think he was the only guy under par, right? He he kicked everybody's butt. He shot 12 under par for a 15-stroke win. I would have guessed that that was the lowest. But uh, the the next um, closest competitor was, I believe, Ernie Els right. and Miguel Angel Jimenez. Three or four over remember. or something like that? They yeah. were three over. Yeah, and so yeah. they, he won by 15 at 12 under par, uh, okay. but Pebble would have been playing as a, as a par 72, I believe, that year. So, okay. uh, so there's a little bit of history. Uh, I know that you, my man, are a big trophy guy. And uh, you'll be happy to know that the U.S. Open trophy is named, uh, I believe, after our man, um, the Havemeyer. The Havemeyer trophy uh, for the U.S. Open winner. Um, yeah, so good, good looking piece of silverware, right? So you think about the traditional, you know, old school trophies that you see, right? I, I see, you know, obviously I'm a big footy fan. The Italian just scored uh, against the Swiss and the Euros here, but, you know, it has that feel of like a cup. That would be given out for an old school FA Cup, you know, type of trophy to it. So it is. It's a very, very nice looking, very classic looking trophy. I like it. Yeah, Absolutely. I would not have guessed the name though. Have a Meyer. Good, good, good on you. I would not have gotten that. So. Well, it, uh, it's, uh, it's 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 good to know those trophy names. And um, so there there you go. I'm actually kind of questioning myself. Have a Meyer? Is that right? I think that's right. Uh, I think that's either. Yeah, no, I'm definitely questioning myself. Well, nobody else is going to know either. You can Google it and tell me I'm wrong. So, with that, what I'd like to do with you is a little bit of, let's go back and forth just talking memorable, uh, kind of a, we'll call it the U.S. Opens I Remember uh, segment. And so, uh, I'm going to let you go first and tell me just the first, when you think U.S. Opens I Remember, we've talked about a couple already on the pod today, but uh We'll just go back and forth, and you tell me the first U.S. Open that comes to mind that you remember well. Well, the one that I remember being absolutely glued to the television, and it's probably going to be later than you, given that you are more of the golf historian and the golf sicko here, but uh, Payne Stewart's uh, victory in 1999, edging out uh, Phil Mickelson, right? So I think the uh, you know the scene you always remember is obviously Payne making the putt with the fist pump, but then going over to Phil afterwards and saying, hey, look, you're getting ready to be a dad. You know, that's the coolest thing in the world. You're going to win one of these eventually in a very uh, memorable moment uh, there uh, from Payne Stewart in 1999. And I, I think that that was, I think it was at Pinehurst, right? So it was at Pinehurst. Yeah, yeah. So, so that, that's the one that I remember first, I guess, or the one that's certainly more, more vivid in my memory of, of me sitting there watching the entire round all day long. And I would have been what, I don't know, senior in high school or something like that, junior in high school, whatever it was. So I, I remember that one. That is one that uh, is definitely memorable. <clears throat> I would probably go next with saying that Tiger in 2000 U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. Uh, that was when he was at the height of his powers. And yeah, amongst the slam there, right? 2000, 2001, was the right? uh, actual first major of the four straight Tiger slam. He would go on to win the British Open and you, uh, excuse me, PGA later that summer and then follow it up in the spring with the 2001 Masters. That's right. But I can vividly remember the 2000 Open at Pebble Beach. Pebble Beach, an iconic golf course um, in the United States, uh, around the world for that matter, and the biggest player on the biggest stage at the 100th U.S. Open, and then him being absolutely utter-worldly. I can remember on Saturday 
where um, he just absolutely boat raced the field. Uh, kind of had kind of a weather delay type of deal, and he came out and absolutely was doing, I think he shot a 66, maybe it's even a 65 on Saturday to absolutely take it by the freaking throat. And then it's like, okay, Sunday, how are you going to keep yourself motivated? He came out and said, I do not want to make a bogey. And I remember, I don't remember what hole it was, I think 16 that day, uh, definitely on the back nine where he had not made a bogey yet, and he had about an 18-footer for par, and he made it, and you would have think he was grinding. You would have <laughs> think that he was like one ahead at that point. Uh, I'll never forget the look that he gave after making that par putt. Like, he's going to rip people's throats out. Uh, 2000 U.S. Open, definitely one to remember. Yeah, he had that killer instinct, right? And, again, he was playing a different game than everyone else was playing, so he had to come up with side games, essentially, to keep himself engaged and to keep himself motivated. So, yeah, that's a that's a great story there. I mean, you know, if we just kind of keep following on that trend, 99-2000, I mean, who can forget 2001, right, from a local tie-in standpoint? Yeah. Uh, we had one of those 18-hole playoffs, uh, Retief Goosen at Southern Hills. Obviously, you, you remember most the, the gag, the three-footer yep. on 18 on Sunday, that ended up leading to a uh, next day playoff with Mark Brooks, I believe. Uh, but uh, Retief was able to recover from that and eventually win his first uh, U.S. Open there at Southern Hills in 2001. I, I was at a practice round, I think, on the Tuesday before that because I was interning in Bartlesville. Uh, with Phillips oh, uh, Petroleum okay. uh, way back in the day. That was after my what, first year, second year at OU. And uh, I was uh, in uh, Tulsa. Phillips was obviously a big sponsor, right? Corporate yeah, team, yeah. the whole nine yards. Got to go down for uh, one of the uh, uh, practice rounds. I can't remember if it was Tuesday or Wednesday, but one of the perks of being a grunt intern uh, at a big corporate sponsor there during that year. And I remember it being incredibly, unbearably hot. I mean, just just not hot. enjoyable. Uh, 103, 104 degrees, and then uh, you get that humidity that we're used to uh, with uh, June in Oklahoma. We're kind of dealing with it this week as well. Uh, but uh, certainly remember that one as well because I, I was, I guess, in attendance uh, practice round. I don't know if that counts or not, but uh, yeah, probably, definitely, definitely remember that one. Probably uh, more memorable to us as Oklahomans since it was at Southern Hills and uh, obviously for you being in attendance uh keeping keeping rolling down the track so you know i think that the 2008 u.s open as much as we're sick of hearing about it this particular it's week been brought up a couple of times this has week. to yeah. be uh near the top of the list an absolute epic showdown um you know it's just kind of crazy you think about even that putt that he made on the 72nd hole people kind of think about that as the winning putt right the winning moment the uh, the highlight that is shown yeah, over and over and over pump, the big reaction and that yeah. was just to get into the playoff uh you know he's down on his knees i think honestly saturday of the 2008 u.s open where tiger made his run to end up taking the lead going into sunday was the more memorable overall golf round. I can vividly remember he uh, he was several shots back at this point, but he goes, gets on the green and two on the par 5 13th, makes about a 40-foot snake of an eagle putt from the back of the green. Crowd goes crazy. He gets to 17. He's bunkered left of 17. He holes it out of the bunker greenside a, sh- a shot that really had no business going in it was headed 15 feet past the pin it hits the pin goes straight down in the hole and then again on 18 gets on into back of the green somehow snakes in this birdie putt one of the all-time great re- subdued reactions from tiger where he just stays in place 
raises the fist in a very slow fist pump with a shit-eating grin on his face that I'll never forget. And you just knew at that point he's going to win the U.S. Open. What we didn't know was Rocco was going to put up the fight of a lifetime to force that playoff and uh, and take it to a full 19 hole. So 2008, as much as you and I are sick of it being in the, quote, golf industry, uh, got to be at the top of the list. Yep, yep, that was a great one. Again, that one's been talked about quite a lot uh, here uh, this week, and, and understandably so, uh, given that we are returning to the scene of the crime, so to speak. So uh, let's go more recently. Um, you know, you had back-to-back winners. Right or back-to-back winner, I should say, with uh, Brooks Kepka mm-hmm. in 2017, 2018. I yeah. remember watching those, right? So I know one of them was at Shinnecock Hills. I don't remember yeah, where the Shinnecock. other one was. So Shinnecock and uh, Aaron which is Hills. One of the one of the if you think about U.S. Open courses and you know not necessarily yeah. a road, what we talked about earlier, it's but that is that is one of the courses that you think of whenever you think of a U.S. Open. But those were pretty memorable there. Um, you know, I I definitely remember watching most, if not all, the coverage on those as well. Uh, and uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. And then you know maybe more uh, one of the more improbable winners, uh, twenty nineteen, Gary Woodland, kind of came out of nowhere, right? So and shot a really low score as well. So I, I've got that one up here. He uh, thirteen under was yeah, the score. I knew and, that was a low score. And who did he beat? Who was second place? Brooks Kepka. Yeah, almost went three in a row. That is insane uh, to think about uh, in this day and age. I mean. Only one man's kind of had that type of dominance or at least been in contention here recently, uh, and that being Big Cat, El Tigre, but uh, Brooks Kepka. Well, you can uh, mark it down this week. Brooks Kepka will be a top five competitor in this U.S. Open. He finds a way to turn it on from a concentration standpoint, gritting it out, getting through it. You know, the assumption is that he's not 100%, but I'm, I'm with you. He's, he's going to be around on Sunday. So. Absolutely. I think another uh, U.S. Open I remember, 2006 – a uh, winged foot where Phil uh, stands on the 18th hole with a two-shot lead and uh, blows it That's right. uh, by hitting it darn near out of bounds, goes off Double a merchandise bogey, right? tent, yeah. uh, ends up doubling uh, to let Jeff Ogilvy slip through the door uh, as the 2006 U.S. Open champion, an absolute epic meltdown. What was this quote Phil. afterwards? I can't believe I just freaking did that. Yeah. I'm such an idiot. I can't <laughs> yeah. believe I just did that. Um, so that is definitely one to – remember uh maybe for um you know uh inauspicious reasons uh, more than some of these others that we're uh, highlighting for the, the fine play and the uh, the championship moments that came out of them yeah that's right and, and you know we we touched on it there thinking about the courses that are in the you know pantheon if you will or courses that we think of uh, whenever we think of the u.s open till you know been a lot of courses that have hosted several um U.S. Opens over the last century or so, or so, but you know which course do you remember most, or perhaps do you you think most personifies a U.S. Open? Whenever you think of, hey, that's the course that that's that is the typical U.S. Open course. You know which one of those is up there on the top of the pantheon, if you will. Yeah, that, that's a that's a tough question. Um, could go a lot of different ways there for for different reasons, but you know, probably Oakmont. I think that Oakmont is just a ball buster of a course. Uh, it is one that you know you don't think of year in and year out because it's not played. Another tournament isn't played there during the course of the year. In fact, not many <clears throat> other USGA high-level amateur events, etc., are played at Oakmont. And then you have the history. I mean, you got Jack and Arnie going at it in 1962, I believe it was Jack's first ever 
PGA Tour win, yeah, professional win, was the U.S. Open. How much money do you think he won for that? I've got eleven thousand dollars. Thirty-three. Seventeen five. Seventeen five. Okay, I, I thought I, I should have stuck with eleven. I felt have to buy about himself that. a new Cadillac probably back then. Probably yeah. so. Um, and then you have uh, Johnny Miller, I believe, nineteen sixty-three. I could have that wrong. Seventy-three. Seventy-three yeah. uh, shoots a sixty-three in the that's final what, round that's, that's to come all the way right back. Uh, barnstorm that. Which that was the low round for a U.S. Open for the longest time. I think the longest people have tied time. it. I think. Yeah. I don't know if anybody beat ties. it, right? Several so, yeah. 63s. Justin Thomas being one at Aaron Hills in 2017. Uh, but then 94 at Oakmont. Uh, Ernie Els uh, gets his first uh, major championship. And then uh, the Big Cat coming oh so close in 2007 where Angel Cabrera, the Duck, uh, gets it done. So I'd Convicted probably say now. Uh, I'd probably say <laughs> Oakmont, and we're coming up on another Oakmont experience uh, for the U.S. Open. Gosh, I want to say 2024, uh, maybe reaching there. I know it's in the next five years that we're going to get another Oakmont U.S. Open. So that's probably the one that personifies it the most to me. Uh, pitching it back to you, do you have one that uh, you really feel like yeah, personifies, or is your just favorite? I love what I love it when a U.S. Open comes back here. Yeah, I mean, I, I, Oakmont was definitely one of them that I was thinking of. You know, you think of some of the memorable finishes at Pinehurst, number two, right? So that's one that jumps out. You know, we, awesome. we talked about Shinnecock Hills, Wingfoot, right? So from a, you, you, I always, I guess, think of right or wrong. But I think of the U.S. Open, and I think of those northeastern courses, right? Yeah. So whether it be yeah. Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey, like it just seems that you know those are the courses yeah, that kind I of think, fall into that rotation. I think more often probably than not. because that's where um, you know the country was born, and then certainly yeah. United States golf was born. Uh, mentioned it there, you know, Newport, Rhode Island, but uh, even the home of the USGA. Yeah, Boltas were all up there in New Jersey yeah, as well, so yeah, it's hosted several. I don't yeah, know. probably the only non-northeast course that kind of cracks the that um, that pantheon would be Pebble Beach. It's just such yeah. an iconic place and has hosted Opens of uh, 2019, 2010, uh, 2000, 1992, 1982, uh, on and on and on. So uh, 72. <laughs> Um, so I think Pebble Beach is probably the only non-northeastern uh, course, um, or certainly East Coast course, that would that would be there. You know, another one. I'm, um, I guess we're kind of moved on from memorable U.S. Open, so I guess I'll leave it at that. But uh, uh, it's 20, 2025 is Oakmont too. Twenty twenty five. Fact checking that. Twenty twenty five. So coming up in a few years. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think we're on the same page. But yeah, it sounds like uh, sounds like we're both in agreement that Oakmont would kind of top the list. Uh, but I tell you what, Shinnecock's hard to beat. Twenty twenty six would be the year after for Shinnecock. Yeah, so they they are getting a little bit of a road and sprinkling in some of these. I tell you what, dude, I'm fired up. We may need to find a way. L A O um, L A Country Club is that twenty twenty three. Twenty twenty three. We Los uh, Country we Club. need to skid out of town for a couple of days and get a, get in front of a whiteboard and do nothing but map out about a three year four year uh, timeline because that one is one that we should absolutely make a plan to get Live out to. remote. Yeah, you probably wouldn't have to twist my arm there. So. Okay, okay, okay. We could probably make that work. We'll, so. uh, we'll get the YSO interns, maybe the YSO wives to, to kind of help us map things out. Well, always, probably, always fun to have the ladies come along. Wouldn't mind a trip. Yeah. It'd be okay uh, with Cali. LA, yeah, surely? I think, I think yeah, so. Okay. I think so. All right. uh, well, until, you know, we, we've talked about it. We've both picked our winners, right? So you going with Justin Thomas, me going with Colin Morikawa. Um, you know, here in the last 10 minutes before we wrap up here uh, from our live remote at Chalk, you know, I'm going to yield the floor to you and allow you to justify that pick. Tell me 
why Justin Thomas is going to be lifting that trophy on Sunday, or maybe Monday afternoon, right, if there's a playoff. But uh, why is Justin Thomas going to be the winner this weekend at the 2021 U.S. Open? Well, I think, you know, you kind of go through a few different segments of how you kind of make a – what you're, what you're making a, a major championship pick on. First and foremost, it's going to be somebody in the top ten in the world, right? I mean, the, the talent, don't lie. Hey, it's, uh, it's not really about the intangibles at this level. It's about the absolute most talented guys, and he is one of them. No one would argue that. I would say this, this tournament, perhaps more than most, typically it is someone up in the top 10, top 20, right? So rarely does someone – not to say it doesn't happen, sure. but more rarely than the other major championships does someone come out of right field and win this one because of all the reasons that you're going to mention. Yeah, yeah and so I think that, that checks a, a major box – I think that um, he hits it really far. Unfortunately, there's not going to be many guys that actually have a chance to win this U.S. Open, similar to uh, last September at Wingfoot. Uh, you absolutely have to be long off the tee. When uh, guys like Kevin Kisner, uh, Kevin Na uh, come out and say, look, there's only about 20% of golf courses that I actually have a chance to win on, and I have to play well those weeks when I do have a chance. That just shows you how important hitting it a really, really, really long way uh, has to do with with contending in these major championships. And so he fits that box. He hits it outside of Bryson, maybe outside of Cam Champ. He hits it as far as anybody, so he's got that going for him. Which is crazy because he weighs 150 pounds, he, dripping wet probably. He is gets the pound for pound is the longest driver of the golf ball yeah. in the world. No arguments There's here. There's no doubt about it. So that's another box checker specifically for this U.S. Open. And then the other thing, the reason I stuck with them, and I say stuck with them for those who don't know, we made our picks at the beginning of the year for all four majors and the Players' Championship. JT was my pick for the U.S. Open. Um thing that made me stick with him is actually that he hasn't been uh, kind of uh, under the microscope over the last month. He hasn't played poorly. He hadn't been out there missing cuts. He just hadn't been at the top of leaderboards. A guy like JT wants it as much as anybody uh, growing up in Louisville, coach, uh, golf professional for a, um, for a dad, he, he has that kind of the grinder mentality that's just perfect for a U.S. Open. Uh, I think some folks think JT's a little whiny at times, but I think that that comes from a place of grinding it out. So that's why I stuck with him for this pick is that he's been kind of lying in the weeds and can fly under the radar as much as the top five golfer in the world can. Right, right, yeah. And uh, so you combine, again, recapping that, the talent is absolutely there, top five golfer in the world. Hits it as far as anybody. Very important this week. Lying in the weeds is probably the intangible piece. And the thing that really is the most important, I mentioned this again on the uh, the Monday edition of the pod, his wedge play from 100 yards and in is just unbelievable. The way he nips those wedges off of the fairway, he can land that thing on a car hood and a lot of that has to happen at the U.S. Open because you're putting yourselves, you know, you, you kind of get wayward, you chip it back into the fairway, you got to get up and down for par. He's going to do that, and that's why uh, the last and final reason I'm justifying Mr. Justin for the victory. On a car hood. That's oddly specific, J2. So. Oh, yeah, it's kind of small, yeah. hard. Yeah. Four foot, four foot by five four, foot, yeah. something like that. So I guess it depends on your car. So. 
right, I like the pick. I like yeah. the pick. So love the justification, love the deep dive, love the reasoning. So I, I'm going to do the same here, maybe a little more briefly. Uh, I can't go quite to the depths that you go to on most of these guys, but Colin Morikawa, right? So a, a major championship winner, right? He has won uh, the PGA championship, championship. Yeah, Harding Park, I believe, yep. uh, last year. Uh, in a weird year, obviously. But, uh, you know, let me give you his last few finish- finishes, uh, Jay Till. Uh, finished second in that playoff to Patrick Cantlay at the Memorial mm-hmm. most recently. Uh, he finished tied for 14th at the Charles Schwab. He finished T8 uh, at the PGA Championship. Well, probably kind of a backdoorish, right? So, I mean, he yeah. wasn't, you know, a lot of guys were chasing Phil at that point. Uh, and he finished tied for 7th at the RBC Heritage before that so he is on a hot run of form uh we kind of made jokes at our fantasy draft before we went on the air here earlier that he had a great day of putting or great week of putting at the memorial which means he'll probably suck this week (laughs) uh given that that's oftentimes how touch and feel go from a short game standpoint but you know a california kid you know i I always love the uh, local tie-ins and again he's a northern cal guy as opposed to a socal guy but i think he drives it incredibly straight Incredibly so straight. He's, he's a pretty long hitter as well, being a, a rather slender guy, probably a little bulkier than even JT, though. Uh, but uh, hits it straight um, and is on a hot run of form, and uh, I, I think he's going to play well. If he doesn't win it, he's going to be there in contention. Uh, I think he's got that medal. You know, you think about these these guys that kind of tend to rise to the top, especially in this tournament. We obviously mentioned Brooks Kepka earlier. I think he's going to finish in – that type of environment, right? So I think he's got the uh, uh, the right makeup uh, from a major championship winner. I think he'll be there on Sunday and be in contention, and so that's why I am going with Colin Morikawa as my pick to win uh, this weekend. I like Colin Morikawa. I do like his mental outlook. I uh, he got, he's got a lot of metal to him, um, a lot of confidence. I mean, the guy just yeah, says, 20, "Why not me?" Twenty four years old, twenty three, so, whatever he is. He's uh, Colin Morikawa. So. Uh, I think if he could ever rely consistently on a putting stroke would go on an absolute tear even at the stacked nature of pga tour golf right now so uh i can't poke holes in that one but all right well plugs here so we know that you're going to be active you're going to be active yeah, from let me an ask actual you, golfing who, who's, standpoint. who's not going to win uh who's not going to win ah uh bryson dechambeau will not win bryson dechambeau will not win you can you can put that on paper um, I think it's right at an ink, right? So I, 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 that's a good one because I think everybody you know, thinks he will. Well, it's super hard to repeat first and foremost, and I, I just don't, I don't think he's going to be able to do what he did at Wingfoot last year. I still uh, can't believe he did did it there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go Brooks. Brooks will not win. Okay, that's a bold statement. Brooks, he will loves not this win. tournament probably more than any and other. Again, the, the the idea behind who won't win is trying to fly as close. Yeah, yeah, to the sun as possible I here. Agree. And you know, if you finish second on a guy that you say won't win, you absolutely nailed it. Yeah, I, I think I I would agree with that. Okay. So. All right, back to those plugs that you yeah. were asking for. Plugs. Now you're going to be busy this week, I right? Am so be busy. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we've got a round of golf on the books for all three days, my friend. But do. I don't think that that will prevent you from being active out there on Twitter and Instagram. Will it? The only thing hotter than the takes will be the temperature, folks. It is going to be gonna a be steamy hot. one, Ugh. but that's not going to so hold hot. us back. At YSO Golf is where you're going to find us. This is the week to get involved on Twitter. If you haven't yet, set up your account. Give me a follow at YSO Golf. I'm going to make sure you're kept up to date on what's going on, both on and off the golf course. Keep you updated on the Bryson chatter, the Brooks feud, what's going to be happening with those guys. And then since I'm going to be out and about, the Instagram feed should be fairly fertile 
at Jonathan W. Teal on Instagram. Got the YSO uh, profile pic there. If you need a little bit of a visual uh, to help you find it, we'll be posting at least uh, four or five pictures from each of our experiences this weekend at lovely Buffalo Rock Hillcrest Country Club and the vulnerable, venerable Twin Hills Country Club. Yep, going to be a fun weekend playing golf, watching golf. Uh, and uh, if you're going to just be watching golf, ladies and gentlemen, I would advise you to get up here to chalk this weekend. I guess even starting tomorrow, right? So coverage starts tomorrow. It's going to be on all the big screens. We'll have the footy on as well. The European Championships going on all week long. Uh, chalk your, make it your home away from home. It's our home away from home. Uh, from the YSO and Sports Pros Studios. Uh, no better place to be to watch all the action unfold uh, beginning tomorrow and all the way through the weekend. And so for us, uh, from a Sports Pros Network standpoint, check us out on the web at fantasysportspros.com or on Twitter at sports underscore pros. And remember, that is pros with an E, P-R-O-S-E. So we're going to wrap it up here, J-Till. Two segments in the books for our U.S. Open preview here live at Chalk. I'm going to stick around and finish the second half of the Italy, Italy, excuse me, in Switzerland match yeah, here. Yeah. And so we still got some golfers in the hopper to give away. So again, we've got about 60, 80 golfers in there and um, we'll continue to give those away throughout the week. So it's not too late, ladies and gentlemen, come out, spin the hopper, pull a golfer out, get us your info. And if that golfer finishes first, second or third, you're going to have a chance to win some fantastic prizes, including four yeah, rounds absolutely. of golf yeah, at Lincoln Park, a very slick and chic looking golf stand bag from our friends at Michelob Ultra or a box of Titleist Pro V1. So great stuff uh, that we're going to be giving away this weekend. Come out here to Chalk and join us and sign up for that. Right on the money. And uh, even if you're kind of, you get this in your feed this afternoon, maybe you don't listen to it till tomorrow morning, that second wave of golfers, we will still give away golfers until that second wave gets yeah, teed t- off. Yeah, tomorrow afternoon, it'll probably be too late, though. you got to get out here for lunch. you got to get out here for lunch on Thursday. Yep. Watch golf. Pick your golfer so you're in the contest for one of these great prizes. Sign up for the Big Green Egg giveaway That's via right. the footy. We got it all, folks. Love Chuck. Love the support they give us. Yeah, a great, uh, what, three weeks, four weeks here throughout the summer. Going to be a lot of fun, and I'm sure we will be out here multiple times uh, over the next few weeks. So, well, bud, let's wrap it up here. Let's sign off again. Jay Till and yours truly here, the YSO Golf Podcast. And in the meantime, until we talk to you again, get out there and enjoy the walk.